Her distaste for the timid, the dull, and the ordinary. Her unforgiving sharpness. What a waste that edge had rusted, Young thought again. The decaying that had dragged on for too long had only turned tragedy into nuisance. Death, when it strikes, better completes its annihilating act on the first try. At the top of a hill, older trees guarded elaborate mausoleums. A few birds, crows and magpies, prattled close enough that Boyang could hit them with a pine cone, but he would need an audience for such a boyish achievement. If Coco were here, she would know how to poke fun at his shot and to look impressed when he showed her the pine nuts inside the cones, though the truth was she had little interest in these things. Coco was twenty-one, yet already she had acquired the incuriosity of one who has lived long enough. Her desire, too greedy for her age, or too meager, was for tangible comforts and material possessions. At the end of a path, a pavilion sheltered the bronze bust of a man. Boyang tapped the pillars. They were sturdy enough, though the wood was not the best quality, and the paint had faded and was peeling in places. According to the plaque, the pavilion was less than two years old. A bouquet of plastic lilies laid underneath looked more dead than fake. Time, since the economy had taken off, seemed to move at an unreal pace in China. The new becoming old fast, the old vanishing into oblivion. One day he too could afford, if he desired it, to be turned into a stone or metal bust gaining a minor immortality for people to laugh at. With a bit of luck, Coco, or whatever woman replaced Coco, might shed a tear or two in front of his grave. If not for a world without him, then for her misspent youth. A woman appeared over the rise of the hill, and upon seeing Boyang turned so abruptly he barely glimpsed her face, framed by a black-and-white patterned scarf. He studied her black coat and the designer bag on her arm and wondered if she was a rich man's widow, or better, a mistress. For a moment he entertained the thought of catching up with her and exchanging a few words. If they liked each other, they could stop at a village on the drive back to the city and choose a clean countryside restaurant for some rustic flavors—sweet potatoes roasted in a tall metal barrel— chicken stewed with so-called locally grown organic mushrooms, a few sips of strong yam liquor that would make their stories flow more easily, and the lunch worth prolonging. Back in the city, they might or might not, depending on their moods, see each other again. Boyang returned to the counter at the designated time. The clerk informed him that there would be a slight delay as one family had insisted on checking everything to avoid contamination. Contamination with someone else's ashes? Boyang asked, and the old man smiled and said that if there was any place where people's whims would be accommodated, it was this one. Touchy business, Boyang said, and then asked if a woman had come alone to cremate someone. A woman? 
the clerk said. Boyan considered describing the woman to the old man, but then decided that a man with a trustworthy face and gentle sense of humor should be dealt with cautiously. He changed the subject and chatted about the new city regulations on real estate. Later, when the clerk asked him if he would like to take a look at Shao-Ai's remains before they were ground to ashes, some families requested that, explained the clerk. Some asked to pick up the bones themselves for proper closure. Boyang declined the offer. That everything had come to an end like this was a relief as unconvincing as the pale sun that graced the dashboard as Boyang drove back to the city. The news of the death he had emailed to Moran and Ru Yu. Moran, he knew, lived in America, though where Ru Yu was, he was not certain. America.